today is April 30th, 1992. My name is Vida, Sister Prince, and I'm interviewing Millicent Broworth for the Missouri Historical Society's Oral History Project concerning World War II. And uh, Millicent was a teacher uh, during World War II, and we're going to uh, discuss that. You've got some things I that don't know. you have? Uh, would that be of any... Uh Oh, yeah. Was when they did rationing. <laughs> yes, you have the official. Will you tell me what it mm -hmm. is? You well, tell me what it is. Um, part of what the, the teachers did, of course, was issue ration books. You had books for sugar and coffee and canned goods and meat and things like that. And when you went to the store, uh, like if you wanted to buy a porterhouse steak, it was eight points a pound. Uh -huh. uh, you had to have a lot of points in order to, to buy any size steak. People didn't eat steak very much during the war. And uh, uh, everybody had a, a chart like this that told you how much you would have to pull out of your little book. And this is the, the original table of consumer point values for meat, fat, fish, and cheese. Uh, United States of America Office of Price Administration, number one, effective March 29, 1943. And you've kept this all the mm -hmm. time. I, I just, I, well, I, I have it, folders it, full of all kinds of junk. It's in, it's, uh, in perfect condition. Mm -hmm. So if you think it would be of any use to anybody. Oh, I, could I we have it? Is it? Yes, you may yes. have it. Oh, well, and uh, then here are some of the, the point things. I don't have a whole book. I know this was for sugar. Uh -huh. You had so many you'd pull out and you'd get so many pounds of sugar, sugar. for it. And uh, see, this one was coffee. And this is an, it's a spare for something. And then they came, there were, I don't know what, I really don't remember what this set well, This is. has a plane on it. Hmm? Yeah. This has an airplane on it. plane or tank and, uh, mm -hmm. let's just see, it was one, two, Maybe this one was a spare. This obviously was uh, was eight points for for something and this was one point for something. But here's a spare. That's very interesting. Do you think you can put that towards me? Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> They had a spare in case. All different colors and, and all different oh, designs. It must have I been <laughs> murder for the groceryman. It must have been. Mm -hmm. I wonder if they had much counterfeit. Well, maybe somebody else will have a mm -hmm. complete book. And then mm -hmm. later we got these. Um, there were blue points and red points. I don't really remember what, what, what they was. were for. Mm -hmm. This was the Office of Price Administration, mm -hmm. the OPA. So if you want them, why yes, here, thank I'll you. put them in the envelope. Okay. I think here. we do have ration books, but I think, um, mm -hmm. I know we don't have, uh, don't have one of those, and I don't know if we have uh, those little round uh, mm -hmm. things. And, and you made some notes? Mm -hmm. No, yeah, just to sort of uh, aid my memory. <laughs> All right, you it's told me. It's been a long time, you know. <laughs> Tell me, did you always want to be a teacher? Frankly, no. 
Okay. <laughs> How did you? This isn't being recorded. No. Yes, it is. Oh, it is. Yes. But uh, would you like me to? Mm. Oh, I thought you. I thought I saw you turn it off. No. Um, when I was a child, I always thought, no, I would never want to be a teacher. And uh, when I was. Is it okay to have it recorded? Yes. Okay. Sorry. Let me check it. There. Okay. I'm sorry. And when I was in my senior year at high school. Uh, a friend of mine was going to Harris Teachers College. Of course, this was during the Depression, and uh, money for colleges like Washington U just didn't exist in our family. And uh, Harris at that time was completely free. And uh, my friend said, why don't you go too? And if you don't uh, want to be a teacher, well, you'll have the college education. So I started, and then after a while, when we began doing uh, uh, practice teaching and so on, uh, I began to think it, it would be interesting and I would enjoy doing it. And for most of my life, I did enjoy it very much. I only taught for 40 years. Oh, my did you have a second interest? Mm, well, not really. I took. Uh, uh, courses in typing and shorthand and that sort of thing. And summers I used to work um, in my father's office taking uh, people's places who were on vacation and that sort of thing. What was your dad? Mm -hmm. He what? was credit man for Westinghouse Electric. Mm -hmm. And they had a big office and there were people going on vacation every couple of weeks, you know. So I used to work mostly all summers but in the winter, I did not. Who was in your family, Nelson? Hmm? Who was in your who, who uh, made up your family? Well, uh, when I was a small child, there was my father, my mother, and my mother's mother. Mm -hmm. And uh, my grandmother died when I was 11. And then there was the three of us. And my father died when I was 22, I think. Mm -hmm. And then for many, many years, there were just my mother and me. She mm -hmm. passed away in 1976. Since then, there's just me. I have no relatives in St. Louis at all. Uh, your date of birth? Hmm? Um, I was born July 13, 1920. 1920. All right. So um, when you graduated, you graduated from? Rose, from Roosevelt High School. Uh-huh. And then went on to? And then I went on to the Harris Teachers Harris. College. And, um, you graduated when? And then I graduated from Harris in June 1941. Okay. Where did you do your practice teaching? Uh, at Woodward School, which is just up the street here. Oh. Uh, all right. Now, when you graduated in June of 41, mm -hmm. uh, where did you go to what school? Well, that fall, then I did my practice teaching. Oh, that's when you did your practice yes, teaching? Yes, okay. you, you, In those days, we often did it after you had graduated. Um, it depended. If you graduated in January, in those days they had two classes a year. Now there's only one. But if you graduated in January, then you did your practice teaching in the spring semester. If you graduated in June, you did it the following fall. Okay. That was the way it worked. You told me on the phone, and I thought it was interesting, I'd like to discuss two things. The fact that um, women couldn't marry no, and teachers, and, and men didn't teach in grade schools. Yes. So tell me about uh, 
the fact well, that the, the rule was for for many years up until I'm not sure whether it was toward the end of the war or just after the war that they began to accept married teachers but up to that time if you got married uh, you had to leave teaching mm -hmm. uh, the only married teachers that we had were widows uh, who had perhaps been teaching before and uh, their husbands died and, and they wanted to return to the profession but otherwise there were, everybody was miss so-and-so and, -so. and uh, did they give the it I'm sorry men uh, did not teach in grade school until well, perhaps the 50s. I can't remember any before that. High school, yes. We always had men teachers in high school. Have you, do you have any idea of uh, what the reason was behind not uh, having the women marry? Um, I suppose the, the idea was the, I call conflict of interest, that uh, if they had a husband and children, they would often have to be out of school if the children were sick and that sort of thing. They, they wouldn't have single-minded thought of just their students. I have heard that um, because there were not that many things in those days that women did, yes. were allowed to do or, or things that were open for them, um, that they needed to make room for the younger teachers that came up. Mm -hmm. that, uh, and that, so therefore, that was that. that gave that's me. a possibility. That could have been mm -hmm. one of the reasons. I've never for heard it. that before. But mm -hmm. I, you've never heard that 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 that, 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 that particular reason. So mm -hmm. I wondered if you had ever heard that. I can't recall that anybody ever explained the reason. This is the rule, and this is the way you do it. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, and and uh, why men didn't teach in grade schools? I wonder. Well, at, uh, at the time I was going to Harris Teachers College, uh, it was run by the St. Louis Board of Education mm -hmm. for the purpose of training teachers for the grade schools, for the elementary school. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was almost impossible uh, to become a teacher in the, in the grades in St. Louis unless you had attended Harris Teachers College. Oh. When you graduated, the whole class uh, was placed on a list with beginning with the one with the highest grade, you mm -hmm. know, and uh, then you were appointed to teaching positions according to uh, when something opened, and they took you in turn that way. Um, could could you say if you wanted that position or not, or did you did you have a choice? I doubt that you did. Um, if you wanted to teach, you you took what you got. Mm -hmm. But uh, and at uh, during the 30s, during the Depression, um, there were th the lists became quite long uh, because they're, they're like the previous class were not all appointed before the next one graduated, so they were just added oh. to a list. And uh, while you were waiting. Um, you could be called to substitute, but um, you see, in those days there was no pension. People taught until they dropped, you know, or until they became so incapacitated that they couldn't teach anymore. Mm 
I can remember as a child there was one teacher in the in the grade school, very nice lady and a good teacher. She had terrible arthritis. She couldn't walk up the stairs. She used to crawl up the steps to her to her classroom, but she kept teaching because she couldn't afford to to quit. Mm -hmm. And the pensions didn't go in until after World War II. So that way there was little turnover in the schools. It took a long time for... Um, to get a job. Yeah. But then uh, as the war was coming on and jobs opened in, or even in factories and so on, a lot of them decided they weren't going to wait any longer. They would just leave the list and go and do something else. So by the time I graduated, the list had disappeared. And uh, the first semester that after I finished my practice teaching, I substituted every day. And the following fall, uh, I went into a more or less permanent position. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have to wait. Well, why did the list dissipate? Well, because people on it left and got jobs in other other places. But the war hadn't started yet. Hmm? The war hadn't started yet. Uh, they even closed uh, Harris Teachers College for a couple of years until they caught up with the, the long list that they had. And I guess that helped too, probably. Um, all right. When did they close it? Uh, let's see. It was before I started. must have been about uh, 35. Oh. And, uh, but it had opened again because there were classes there ahead of us. Mm -hmm. All right, so here we are, and you graduated, and you okay. went into, All right. into so practice teaching. And I went, in those days we called it apprenticing. apprenticing. You were an apprentice. Right. Uh, and uh, you were assigned to one school, and you went from one grade to another spending maybe a week or two weeks in each grade. Um, and this was Woodward School? This was Woodward School. And it had, it was kindergarten? Through yeah, they had kindergarten through eighth grade. Well, tell me about it. Mm. And uh, I remember my first day there, uh, they sent me to the kindergarten that we would start from the bottom and work up. But the kindergarten teacher was ill, and they had not sent a substitute so they told me to go in there and, and help out. And of course, they were registering the children. Well, here was the room filled with children and mothers, and some of them were crying. And, <laughs> and it was quite a, a problem trying to get the information about all of them down on little cards and so mm -hmm. on. And then uh, the next day, uh, they did send a substitute, and the two of us worked together for about a month, I think, before the uh, regular teacher came back. Well, then, as far as the war was concerned, um, the one thing I remember is that, uh, of course, December 7th was the Pearl Harbor. And the next day in school, um, we were told that announcements would come over the radio uh, from President uh, Franklin Roosevelt that uh, when the war was declared after the Congress voted on it. So the principal got all the students, the whole student body, into the, um, they didn't have an auditorium, they had a gymnasium, and they all sat there and listened to the radio broadcast so that we heard that now we were 
in a state of war with Japan. And the principal thought that this was a historic moment that uh, perhaps the students would remember. I don't know whether they did or not, but uh, that was about all that happened that, uh, that part. Did you, did you have any questions? Did anybody, you know, with the children, did, it, did, it, did you think it affected any of the children? I suppose it did. I don't imagine they really realized what, what a war was like. There hadn't been a war in their time, you know. Of course, I'm sure they heard their parents talking about it. Some yeah. of their parents had fought in World War I. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, it was later on, I mean, when I was teaching myself, that we would get questions, especially if uh, somebody's father or brother or something was injured or wounded or killed or whatever, then, then the children would get very upset. It was one of our things we had to do was try to keep them calm and that sort of thing. What would they say to you? Mm. How would Mostly you why. You know, why did my brother have to be killed? You know, that sort of thing. And it's uh, very difficult to explain to a seven-year-old, for instance. Mm -hmm. that, uh, Do you remember any of the mm. things that you might have said? Well, then the next thing I remember... Did you remember any of the things that you might have said to them when... Mm. No, this is a long time I know, ago. I know, it is. No, I it's very hard to, to recreate some of these things, I know. I was lucky, I suppose. But you seem to be doing a good job of, of, mm. of uh, remembering it. Mm. Um, well, I've spent some time <laughs> sitting thinking and talked to some of my friends that were teaching at the same time oh. to see if they remembered anything also. Thank you, I appreciate that. Well, then the next thing I remember as being uh, helpful to the war effort uh, was the following May. That would have been May 42 mm -hmm. when we did the first rationing. And um, this was sugar we were doing. And uh, I heard later that the government had the choice of two groups of more or less government employees who could have been able to do this, either the postal people or the teachers and the post office said that there was no way they could close down the post office for any length of time while they did that because they had so much extra work to begin with with uh, all the mail to the soldiers and packages and all that sort of thing so they said that the teachers would do this uh, I can't recall that anybody asked us if we wanted to or anything <laughs> we're going to do rationing and uh, you're going to do this and this and this and I can't remember that anybody complained either. It, uh, World War II uh, was, I, except for perhaps a little bit with the, the recent uh, desert storm, um, was a war in which the great majority of the people were behind the war effort. Uh, they weren't running off to some other country to avoid the draft or and if you had done that that would have been a great disgrace at that time so um, the way we worked the the sugar rationing um, we taught each morning I think it was four days that we did it and then we would close school at noon and have a little break for lunch and then we worked from one o'clock until nine in the evening and uh, 
for dinner, uh, we took turns so that there was always somebody there. When you say worked, what does that mean? Hmm? Explain it. What do you mean you worked? What What did you do that had to do with oh, sugar well, rationing? Um, what, what, what they did, uh, in the newspapers there were forms printed that uh, the people were supposed to bring in a form filled out for each member of their family. Mm -hmm. And it was to have the name, the age, I'm not sure whether they needed the birth date or not, but they may have. Somebody would have copies of these forms somewhere, I'm sure. And um, identification, they had to have color of eyes and color of hair and things like that. Well, um, what would happen was that some people came in with a complete set of, of forms. You could get more forms if, uh, at the post office, I think, uh, all filled out and ready. And other people would come in with nothing at all. <laughs> and uh, then you had the, the problem of uh, uh, them trying to remember you know, how old Susie was and whether she had blue eyes or brown eyes. <laughs> So it became so, a very long time. Yeah. So then they would uh, come to us. We were all in the in the kindergarten room, which was the largest room. And by that time, I was at uh, I was substituting at the Fanning School, and uh, uh, we had desks scattered all over the the room, and each of us had a desk and a chair beside it for our customers, and they would line up. Uh, at the door and then be sent in to as soon as one was was finished where the next one came and then our job was to take this form and copy the information onto the little ration booklets which had little coupons inside that they pulled off uh, so much a week. The only complaints I ever heard were that people thought that uh, families that had uh, a lot of small children had an advantage because a newborn baby got just as much sugar as a grown man. And so those families, of course, had lots of extra sugar, whereas if you had only one or two in your family, you were rather short. But uh, otherwise, they stood in line patiently, and, and we worked all day. Uh, and you did say this was the first thing that was rationed hmm? with sugar? Hmm? Sugar was the first thing that they did, yes. Um, at our at the Fanning School, we used all the teachers who were there, and um, then from the local high school, which was Roosevelt, um, those teachers were scattered around among the various schools in the high school district. Mm -hmm. And then anybody who lived in the Fanning School district had to come to the Fanning School for their their ration books. Well, they would line up and at nine o'clock in the evening we would close the doors but then we still had to do all the people who were lined up practically out to the doors so that it was often ten o'clock or later before we got away and then I would go home on the bus and <laughs> by myself and nobody thought anything about it then nowadays you wouldn't wander around alone at night but uh, we didn't have to worry then uh, one amusing thing was that it seemed to me my last customer every night always seemed to be a man who had no forms, uh, who couldn't remember <laughs> anything about his children, 
Sometimes I was tempted to ask him, don't you ever look at them? <laughs> at, uh, sometimes at earlier times during the day, there would be someone, a man who didn't know, and then we'd send him to the office to call home and ask his wife. <laughs> but we, uh, we got the, the sugar rationing done. What was their uh, mood about the rationing? Do you, you remember? I can't recall that, that anybody was terribly distressed about mm -hmm. it. They knew that uh, most of the sugar came in from overseas somewhere, mm -hmm. Cuba or somewhere like that, and uh, that the ships were needed for the war rather than for transporting sugar, and so uh, it was necessary to, in order for it to be fair to everybody to, to ration things. And later on, we there was uh, canned goods and meat and, uh, as you saw, cheese and butter and things like that. And uh, uh, I don't really remember too much about the other rationing. I know we did it the same way. We would teach in the morning and close school. And uh, the one I remember uh, as having problems was when we were doing tires. And this was almost all men, of course, who came in. And again, they were to have a form filled out um, with the serial numbers of all the tires on their car at that time, and the uh, spare tire, of course. Well, of course, you've got men who came in without the forms <laughs> filled out. And uh, this must have been winter because it got dark very quickly. And then we'd have to send them out to their car to copy the serial numbers. And I can remember men with the form and the, the pencil and the trying to strike a match and read the, the form, the, the numbers. And finally, the uh, custodian at the school thought he, he would help, and he was a big help. Uh, he had a good flashlight, and he would go out with the men and hold the flashlight and read the numbers to them, and they would write them down on the form and then bring it in, and then we transferred it to the forms for tires and gasoline and so on. So that's about all I can remember about rationing, but... Uh, could you get your patience? Did you ever... Did you... Could you put some humor into uh, what, all of this? I mean, no, you, we, you're we putting tried. it in now, but... Yes, but... Uh, well, I can't recall that, that we got angry with them. And <laughs> Among ourselves, we might say, "Why can't these people do the things, do it the way they're supposed to do it?" But uh, um, some of them perhaps didn't even get a newspaper and, and didn't understand. All they knew was that they were to go to the local school and and sign up for ration coupons for tires and gasoline, and uh, and that was what they did. So we we got through it somehow. Was there a certain schedule that? I mean, how often did you do this? Did you mm. close the classes and, and well, did this? It was was um, it like once a month or? No, it wasn't that often. It was uh, when they, when we issued one book that would last for a year or so, mm. and uh, then when it ran out, then we'd have to to do another another session with them. But was everything separate? Like one, one time it would be tires and gas, and yes. the other time it would be mm -hmm. sugar? And yes. No, we never did more than one thing at a time. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I believe later on, if I, I hadn't thought of this until just now when you said um, when a book expired, then they could go to the local post office and have a new one issued mm -hmm. so that we didn't have to do that. But uh, we did all of them at first for two or three years. Of course, the war went on for quite a long time. Millicent, were you aware that this was being done in all school districts or not? Um, well, it was done in all school districts in St. Louis, I know. Uh, I don't know how they managed it in other cities. I, mm -hmm. I never inquired, never thought of it. I, I spoke to a couple of teachers uh, just in thinking that they, finding out who they were before mm -hmm. I met you. Uh, well, one was last week, and, uh, and I said, did the war affect you as a teacher at all? And they said, no. I said, mm. did you have any scrap drives? Did you do? No. Hmm. So they may, uh, may make some recalls. Did they teach in the county or? No, it was uh, more in the ville, uh, in the, over in the, on the north side. Hmm. And, uh, but I'll, I'll check back and see. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Right. I know the, this was done all over St. Louis City mm -hmm. by school district. Mm -hmm. okay. um, let's see, then another thing that we did every week was sell war stamps and war bonds. Uh, the arrangement was they had, they issued these stamps which came in denominations of 10 cents, 25, 50 cents, a dollar and five dollars and each one had a little album in which you could paste the stamps and when you got a, a full book of any one of them it was worth eighteen dollars and seventy five cents and then you could turn that in for a twenty five dollar bond so uh, each week I think it was Fridays we used to do it uh, the children would bring their money and uh, I would have to fill out a, a form. <laughs> we did a lot of filling out of forms. That's when we first learned how to do it, I think. Um, how much, uh, how many 10 cent or 25 cent stamps, usually it was just 10 or 25 that they wanted. And uh, then I had to figure up how much altogether and put that on the form. And if anybody had a completed book, they would bring that, and then you had a, another form where you uh, mentioned that. Then you got the whole thing together and put it in an envelope, and the school secretary would take it to the post office and uh, get their get the stamps or the bond or whatever. And it was quite an occasion when a student was getting a bond. We all oh, really? uh, praised them and told them how good and patriotic they were. You know. And, uh, and of course, when they brought the stamps and the bonds back, why the teacher had to guard them carefully until the next time the student went home. So, uh, I cannot remember that any of them were uh, were ever stolen or anything like that. And it uh, it took quite a while. Each uh, Friday, you had to provide something for the students to do while the teacher was figuring up the money. And then usually, as a, I was teaching fourth grade at that time, and uh, okay, um, sorry, you, 
had the arithmetic lesson. Mm-hmm. You would tell them how many stamps we bought for 10 cents or for 25 cents, and, and then they had to figure up, find out whether they came out with the same number that I did. <laughs> if, if they didn't, then we'd both go back and check our figures to see who was wrong. Uh, did they, uh, do you think that, how do you think they got the money to buy their stamps? Was there any mention of, of that they worked for it or they did chores? I, or I, well, at fourth grade, I don't think so. No, I think they, the parents gave them the money. It was mm-hmm. a, a well, I thought maybe they did chores with the house and they got on the lamps. They may have, but uh, that didn't I come think, into play. I think mostly it was just that. Uh, it was widely advertised as the patriotic thing to do, buy war bonds, you mm-hmm. know, and, uh, and people did. And some of them had quite a little nest egg built up by the end of the war, which was a good thing. Then uh, you did mention just a, a few minutes ago the scrap metal drive. Um, I don't know whether we did it more than once. I remember one, one big scrap metal drive on a Saturday and uh, we came in and everybody from the neighborhood was supposed to bring whatever they they had and uh, I recall that we dragged out into the schoolyard the big uh, scale that the uh, nurse had for weighing the students you know the kind with a, a high post and a, a thing across with weights that balanced you know and then whatever they brought we would put on the scale and then write down how much that was so that you could total up how much the school had collected. And then you were working on Saturday, too. Yeah, yeah, yes. At that, that, that time, we didn't have to close school. <laughs> we worked on Saturday. Um, was, what year do you think? Cause it's um, probably 43. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not quite sure. It seems that in, I was reading here, uh, in a book that I read, I made some notes of it that in 42 there was a citywide Roundup of scrap metal and a one it, it, it might have been fall of 42. But I'm sure that they did it all the time. Mm. Um, okay. It was, I remember that it was hot whenever we were doing it, so it mm. must have been um, September, maybe. Mm. So I mean, the parents had to come with the children also. Mm. Well, sometimes it was the child that came and brought the things, and sometimes grown ups came or people that didn't have children any, anybody that had any scrap metal and they brought in oh with adults too oh yes oh, yeah. okay. oh yes and they brought in old water heaters and all kinds of, of things some of them uh, not very clean <laughs> by the end of the day we were all ready for a bath I know but so we'd have to they would help us of course to drag this stuff onto the scale and but you didn't have to list anything here did you you just had to accept it and Yes, you just just took whatever they brought, and, and uh, who came and got it? Um, that's a good question. Somebody must have come with trucks or something mm-hmm. and, and was this taken done it in away. The schoolyard? Yeah, this was all done out in the schoolyard. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, another thing, which was an ongoing project almost all through the war, we collected newspapers in big piles. Students brought in the papers, and once a week somebody came around and collected them. And uh, I presume they did something for the war effort. I don't know what they did with them, but I know that we uh, 
we had these big piles of them sitting around all the time in the school basement. And then, of course, we had air raid drills on a fairly regular basis. The, uh, when you, the school bells would ring three times, A-I-R, three, five, four, air. Then immediately the students all stood and uh, they were well trained at marching all the way down into the into the basement and um, they would sit down on the, the benches all all around and wait until they got one bell which was the all clear and then they would go back to class. While we sat there we'd often have them sing to keep them calm and so on because there was always somebody worrying, you know, are they, going to, are they really going to drop a bomb on it this time or is this just uh, just play? What and, school were you in? Uh, this would have been Mount Pleasant School by that time. And I was there for several years. As a teacher now, you were no longer studying? Yeah. No, no, now I had my own, my own room. I was teaching, well, it was a small school and I would have, um, in those days they divided every grade into uh, high and low, like three high and three low. And uh, at times I would have something like um, uh, three, high, three low, three high, four low, maybe all in one room. You mean is that, that's their, uh, the way they mm, classified them? In yes. In mm -hmm. Instead of just being third grade or fourth grade, they were divided into the two semesters. Mm -hmm. You see, it was quite a long time later before they went on to the year schedule. But at that time, you could start school in uh, September or January, and then you graduated eight years later or nine mm -hmm. years or whatever in January or June. Um, and they would sing things like um, the White Cliffs of Dover and uh, coming in on a wing and a prayer. Mm -hmm. That might be something for you to investigate would be the music of World War II, because there was a lot of singable songs in those days. And all the teachers, or practically all of them, I imagine, went and took uh, first aid training with the Red Cross. And I, I did that too. I still have the book that, uh, that we got with all the instructions. and. Uh, I can still remember where are the pressure points for stopping bleeding and things like that. Some of it came in very handy with students who were always getting hurt in school. That uh, is about all I can remember about uh, the teachers in World War II. But as I told you, the reason I brought this all up was that we did all of these things uh, and. I can't recall our ever being thanked or getting any credit for it. It was just, it was our duty and we did it. Well, I'm glad that you approached me uh, for the sake of the tape, who's ever listening. Um, uh, Millicent and I met uh, at a Carondelet Historical Society meeting of which I was visiting and, she, and which she is a member, and she came up and, and just told me about it, and I said that I wanted to interview her. Um, I read things about what happened, but I never got it, you know, it was never, a teacher was never interviewed or never oh. talked, it didn't come from a teacher, it just came from, I mean, I'm sure they, they asked questions, but never in the same words that you're doing it from a personal point of view. 
Um, and you've covered just about everything, I think. Let me go down my list. The air raid drills, the defense stance, the teachers learn first aid, um, principals directed firefighting, uh, and the scrap metal. Um, it says that there was competition sometimes uh, among schools. I don't know if you mm -hmm. ever had that. There may have been. I don't don't recall it. Red Cross buddy kits. I don't know what that is. Did you have Girl Scouts or Boy Scouts at your school? No. Um, uh, some places made little scale model airplanes. And uh, um, you did, this is the math students uh, computed complicated formulas for 35,000 um, oil users in the area. But you used your, your rationing uh, or your, your defense stamps as a, as a class, as a class. It says some overcrowded schools went on a half day. Um, that doesn't pertain to me. And um, uh, did you ever have uh, in the neighborhood or the down with the PPAs in those times? But civil defense was that ever a part of your? school, anybody coming in and explaining anything about that? I don't remember that, that they did it with the children. They had like neighborhood meetings uh -huh. where people would go and uh, a great deal of literature was produced, uh, what you should do to, if there was an air raid and, and that sort of Did thing. you go to meetings like that? Yes, I can remember going to uh, remember where, but uh, I know I, I did attend meetings and bring home literature about uh, what we were supposed to do. Because luckily we never had to use this uh, information. There were signs up on uh, the buildings that were air raid shelters. Uh, I think all the schools were considered as shelters. I don't know how good they would have been. Do you remember blackouts? Yes, yes. Um, we had several of those where we uh, uh, had to turn out all the lights and the street lights went out. And I can remember sitting with my mother on the front steps looking around and was surprised that you could see as well as you could because with moonlight and starlight you actually could see quite well. Uh, where, where did you live at the time? Here. Oh, right here? Yes. Oh. I've lived here since I was 14. Oh. And here is uh, on 5612 Pennsylvania. Yes, that's uh, right. And you live with your parents? Mm -hmm. Your father? Of course, my, yeah. my grandfather bought this house in 1890 when it was new, and our family has owned it ever since. We didn't always live here, but uh, uh, actually the family was living here when I was born. And uh, then shortly after, we moved away, and, and later we came back again. So a lot of history here. Hmm? A lot of history. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, did did you pledge your allegiance in those days? Yes, oh yes. Every morning we had a had a little flag sat on the desk, and the children all stood and, and pledged allegiance every morning. And and did you say prayers? No. 
No, I can't remember our saying prayers, although there was no no rule against it. Mm -hmm. um, if if I ask you, which I sometimes do, and, and you don't have to have an answer, um, if there was one thing that stood out in your mind, whether it be a, a certain child or a certain time or a certain moment that they came or or anything else. Whether, you know, is there something that stands out? One quite small thing. Uh, I had a little girl in uh, my class, one of my classes, that uh, whose brother was in the uh, Air Force. Mm -hmm. And uh, he sent home uh, a large piece of nylon material that they made parachutes out of, which was uh, they called camouflaged uh, mm -hmm. green and brown spots and so on. Of course, nylon was um, something you just couldn't get during the uh, during the war. But um, this was I don't know whether it was defective or a parachute that had been used or something. And her mother made her a dress out of the, uh, the material, and she would wear it to school. And, uh, Everybody was very much interested in her and her parachute dress. <laughs> Luckily, her brother survived and is still living, as a matter of fact. How, how was it to see a child come to school after something tragic had happened? It, uh, what we tried to do always was keep everything just as normal as possible. We go on with our lessons and uh, only if the child showed, you know, suddenly the head down and they were crying or something, you know, and you would go and put your arms around them and hug them and that's uh, about all you could do. How were you notified that, uh, I mean, did the child just the child would come in and, and, and tell you. It didn't happen often. I can only remember a couple of, of times. Uh, one brother who was killed and one father who was badly wounded, but he did recover. But, uh, there, I remember, we did pray for, for her father. And, uh, Do you feel as though your teaching, since it since this happened to you right after you got out of school, mm -hmm. out of college, mm -hmm. yes. do you feel that your teaching um, would have been different had you not had this particular kind of four-year experience, that you, you came out differently or you... Mm -hmm. Had experience Probably, it, uh, it's hard to say what what would have been when it well, when it wasn't. I guess know. I'm asking what the impact of the war had on your life and your profession. Mm -hmm. it, it's hard to say. I uh, I suppose I was very lucky. I had no. Um, relatives around here who were involved with the war. Um, I had two cousins in Canada who were killed, but I had never known them, so it, it wasn't that 
didn't make that great an impression on me. Um, mostly you just went on day by day and did did what was necessary. It seemed as though, though that the emotions of just dealing with people and might have been stretched a little um, and maybe the sensitivities were heightened. Mm. It's the need. Of yes, well, the, the uh, person who was trying to buy something that wasn't available and the salesperson who would say, don't you know there's a war on? And the customer would respond, yes, I have four sons in the service or something like that. You know. but, uh, that describing a lot right there. Mm. Well, I'm sure that those children were very fortunate to have somebody like you doing it at that time. And uh, I don't think people really do have any idea. Uh, as you talked, I, I was reliving some of the things that mm. happened to me. Um, and you realize teachers, how important teachers are in your life. And, uh, Sometimes you don't stop and think about it, but I think everybody has somebody that they look back on and uh, know that they really made a difference for them. Um, all right, besides, all right, now, now the war is over. Do you remember anything like the principle with the when, when they were attacked, with, when the war was over in Europe? Uh, did he, wherever you were then, uh, were you still at Mount with Mount Pleasant? Um, was there anything that happened? I there? can't remember this anything connected with the schools. Mm -hmm. I know uh, at night my mother and I went downtown and the streets were full of people and uh, everybody was singing and. Uh, dancing in the streets and things like that. I was very happy about it. And I'm sure the children were happy. <laughs> you and your mom just decided, just went down to be part of things. Mm -hmm. Just to see what was going on, uh -huh. you know. Uh -huh. yeah. How'd you get downtown? Did you have a car? No, no, I never drove. All right, so how did you get down from um, Well, there was the, uh, there was the Broadway streetcar in mm -hmm. those days, and a couple of blocks the other way, there was the, uh, what was the Bell Fountain streetcar, which is now the Crondelette bus. Mm -hmm. And uh, those two were the most direct, but then there was a, a, bus, that, a bus that ran on Bates Street mm -hmm. at that time, and continued to run up until about three years ago. So what? transportation, uh, public transportation was much better then. I mean, buses and streetcars ran all night. They had to because they, uh, the factories worked 24 hours a day you know, and the different shifts were going to work at different times and not everybody had a car and those who did didn't always have enough coupons for gasoline for uh, a lot of travel. So. Most of it was done by, by public transportation. And so it was pretty exciting. Mm -hmm. well, that night was pretty exciting. Yes, yes it was. We were, were happy to have seen the 
the excitement. I mean, some people had uh, confetti they were throwing around and things like that. And of course, some people had had a little too much already. <laughs> but uh, there were no, no riots or anything very bad that happened. But were the streets just filled with people? Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, downtown. I, I think they must have had to turn off the traffic or something because people were just wandering all around. Mm -hmm. And, um, was, did you did you do anything with VJ Day? Was that different? Because I think they did much the same thing. We didn't go that time, I know. Mm -hmm. but, uh, perhaps there was even more excitement because that was final. Mm -hmm. After VE Day, we still had the war in uh, in the Pacific to worry about. Did the children? Was there any? Did you have do any explaining, or were there any questions about the atomic bomb? I don't remember that. Mm -hmm. There may have been, but... Uh, oh, when Roosevelt died? Hmm? When Roosevelt died? I suppose all these, uh, these events were mentioned in class, mm -hmm. but... Mm -hmm. uh, well, you've given a, a good a nice picture that people can listen to, and, and uh, this will also be um, transcribed so mm -hmm. people can read it too. But it, it will add to our uh, uh, material and our information that we have, and I appreciate the fact that you came up and, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. that you did it. And is there anything that you. Oh, I'm just add? very happy to tell you what I remembered. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you so much.